Hey, Comic Book Nation, BD here. Welcome to a special ComicBook.com show right now. This is Game Over, an evening with Joe Russo. We are super excited to have you guys. We have to put a warning out. Spoilers for Avengers Endgame. Absolutely, spoilers, yes. Yes, the spoiler ban lifted today. You are watching live right now. Uh, We appreciate you being here. We are at the Duello Restaurant in Los Angeles. This is your restaurant. That's right. Congratulations. Thank you. A few things to congratulate you on. First of all, a little movie is performing decently at the box office. We're very happy. I mean, look, we always look at that as a you know reflection of how the audience feels, and we're happy uh, that they're happy. Uh, we're very happy. I don't know. I've yeah. seen the movie three times, and still everybody cheers at certain points that we're going to talk about. Um, I, I mean, I'd just like to start by asking you, now that this is in the rearview mirror, and you can talk about it, how does it feel? I mean, se- this is seven years for you with Marvel, right? It is seven years. By the way, if you, if you haven't seen the movie, stop now. <laughs> Your last warning. Can't be, can't yeah. stress that enough. Come back okay. after you've seen the movie. Uh, but I mean, it it has been seven years, and it's been amazing. I mean, we've had incredible experience with Marvel. I think what's unique about what we've done, and it's certainly been aggressive, and you know, four movies, and I think uh, in, in six and a half years, uh, and, and they're significant films. And um, you know, we built an incredible team of collaborators that one, we loved working with, and two, are, are just brilliant. And, you know, we couldn't have done all four movies without that team. And I feel like, you know, the certainly the bar that you have to hit on Infinity War and Endgame, not only from a fan expectation standpoint, but just from a pure engineering feat, taking that many characters and trying to tell a cohesive story woven over those two movies was, you know, mind-boggling. Like the the um, you know the uh, level of difficulty is staggering on that, and without that core team, I think it just would have been impossible. I mean, perfectly balanced. Yeah, that's all things should be. That's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, here comes the first big spoiler question. I want to know what was the last you guys shot these Infinity War and Endgame back to back. So, what was the very last thing you guys shot on these so, two films? We shot an, uh, a back-to-back for a year straight. We did six months on each movie with two weeks in between, which was also crazy. My brother got pneumonia uh, in between the two films. Uh, so it's, that's the kind of physical toll it takes in your body, and then you kind of release it whenever you have a break is when you tend to get sick. We ended up having to stop Endgame early uh, in January of, uh, let me see where we're now, I think it was 18. And um, we had to finish Infinity War, meaning we had to finish it in the edit room, we had to go through the VFX, we had to do the score, and we couldn't do that while we were also working every day on shooting Endgame, so we stopped right before the third act of Endgame, the final battle. We shot a few pieces for it, but most of it we punted until September and October of 18. So we finished Infinity War, did the press tour, released the movie, uh, went back in the edit room and worked on the first two acts of Endgame. Then went back and shot the third act. Uh, went back in the edit room. And then what we always traditionally do is we'll have friends and family screenings, a few of them, three, four, sometimes five, and collect information. What are you following? What are you not following? Typically, it's usually the plot, or maybe there's a character beat that they're not tracking. Uh, and then we collect our ideas and go back and try to do very targeted reshoots. Sometimes we'll just get a close-up out of someone. Sometimes we'll get a line. Sometimes we'll redo a whole scene. Sometimes we'll create a new scene. Uh, And we went back and did a couple of days of reshoots 
to tweak all the material that we'd collected. Uh, and the last thing that we got was uh, Robert um, saying, I am Iron Man and snapping his fingers. That was a very last <laughs> shot on the last day. Now, what's interesting about the story is we're in the edit room for months with that scene, and we were like, I don't know, how do you give, how do you give Tony Stark a last line that has any re resonance? We tried a few things, and they just weren't working. They felt flat to us. Then we had a, a read that was silent, so we tried him doing it silent, and that felt flat because you had Thanos saying, I'm inevitable, and then you had a smile from Tony, and he clicked his fingers, and it just didn't quite have that energy that you wanted or you know, that closure that brought the thing full circle. And we're sitting in editorial with our um, editor, Jeff Ford, who's one of the key collaborators that we couldn't have made it through these four movies without. And he said, well, what if he says, I am Iron Man in response, I am inevitable. And it, it felt like, you know, it was, it was, should have been written that way uh, as a response to that line. So yeah. I, maybe I'm taking some of the magic out of it by telling people it wasn't. I think it adds magic uh, to it. I think yeah. it makes it even cooler. And what's crazy about it is, and, and really beautifully poetic, we shot that at Raleigh Studios here in Los Angeles. Uh, and the stage that we shot it on was next door to the stage where Robert did his original screen test for Iron Man. So it really did come full circle wow. for him, which made it very emotional. I mean, the day that we finished that, with that being the last line, that being the shot, closing the book, you know, closing, closing the cover on the book, uh, um, and it started, you know, a stage away and ended on this stage. It was very, I think, uh, resonant for him. That's that's really yeah. poetic, uh, guys. We are going to take some live questions uh, towards the end of the show. Here we have some really cool stuff we might be able to give away to you, like some quarter scale uh, Infinity Gauntlets from Hot Toys from our friends at Sideshow who sent these over. As you can see, there is a full size gauntlet. You can get that from Sideshow too. This is pretty cool. Is this right. like how tall is Thanos? Uh, he's a little over eight feet. Okay. Uh, and so this is pretty close to scale. So I think it might actually be the, the, based on the model that we used on set, if I remember correctly. So he's basically Dwayne Johnson. Yes. Okay. He's, uh, All right. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to go character by character yeah. uh, and get to as many as we can, the, the main Avengers and Thanos. Yeah. Um, I want to start with Captain America. Yeah. Um, going into Endgame, I, I can speak for myself, and I think a lot of people had Captain America as the character who was most likely to die. If you had a Deadpool with your family, your friends, Cap was the guy you picked. And uh, Which is why we didn't kill him. Is that why? Because I'm curious, well, when, did you, when did you guys decide? I mean, listen, it, it's, it's not about trying to subvert expectations all the time, even though that comes into it and you go, typically when you're in a writer's room and you're working through storytelling, and if somebody says something that feels obvious, you go, well, that's the expectation. And it's not like we don't always meet expectations. But the job, I think, is to surprise people. And you did. And he definitely the, did. And, but the reason you surprise them is because if you're tracking, if you're really tracking Cap's arc, he starts off as a selfless character who, um, who is given over his identity to service, right? He is, he is more than happy to, to serve a very good community uh, because he believes in the cause. And at the time he took up the cause, uh, it was black and white. It was very clear what he was doing. And President Ice, seven years later, coming out, the whole story that we told the soldier was has become complicated. He can trust the story now. And the movie proved him that he could not. And he had a shift between his identity as an individual and his identity as a, a captain. 
curvature and the arc that you're creating, characters are always most compelling when they travel the greatest distance. So if Cap is Rocky and all he ever does is get into the ring and try to beat uh, um, his opponent, it's gonna get boring really quickly, right? There's just not a lot of dimension that you can add to the character. Um, and so what we wanted to do was, you know, travel him on this, you know, this incredible journey that took him from service to self-actualization to where he wanted to fully embrace the identity of Steve Rogers. That is what happens at the end of Endgame. And I know it's controversial for some people because they feel like you should always be that guy in service. But that just feels like an elliptical story that you know, never ends. Right. It feels like what you can do in the comic books because you can keep resetting it and recycling it. But it's not something you can do over the lifespan of a movie. He has to travel some distance. Right. He has to go somewhere as a character. I mean, and I, I go back to Age of Ultron on the line right. where he says about the guy who wanted all those things went down on the ice. And I mm-hmm. think that was more of, I take it as he was lying to himself trying to accept it. So I, I like the ending you gave him. He was trying to convince himself all along, even in the scene with you where you had your cameo. I think he right. was trying to convince himself. So he, t- he takes the, the out of going to the past. Um, and a lot of people are wondering how that timeline so, kind of crosses into the other, the main timeline. Does that change something? Is that? I mean, look. The uh, what's most compelling is that this is a this is a multiverse, right? And that uh, I don't it know if you now. watched the Spider-Man trailer today, <laughs> but that is what is most interesting, right? It, you've seen everything else. Yeah. Everything else about being looped in time or whatever. You've seen it all. What's really interesting is that you create multiple timelines, and it's said in the movie twice. If you're paying attention to what the characters are saying. They're each talking from their own perspective. Banner is a man of science, and when he's explaining to everyone, you know, in that room why movies are wrong, <laughs> you know, uh, and he's talking about it from a quantum physics standpoint, he says that if you leave the present to go to the past, then, then that present has become your past. It has always happened. You know, you can't change it uh, um, by influencing uh, the past. What happens is you then create a new future by going to the past. Right. So you have to go travel to the past, retrieve something, come back to that present, and then fix it moving forward. Right. Right. Because you can't alter it from back there. So, so by necessity, by logic, you then create. If you were to stay back there, you would create an alternate timeline. Right. Now, the ancient one explains it from her perspective as well, which is if you take one of these stones, you will create an alternate timeline. What's really interesting, and this is where it gets very heady and philosophical, is you know, she's saying to Bruce Banner, you have a, res- a moral responsibility to come back and save all of the people who may die in this timeline uh, um, bu- uh, uh, if I give you the stone to save everyone in your timeline. You have to repair it. Right. Because the stones are special, they can erase those branches. Yeah. right? Uh, and uh, and that's what he and that's what Steve ends up doing at the end of the movie. I like the decision. Can't yes. say I wouldn't have done the same thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it just creates a lot of opportunity for storytelling right. oh, and I, unique I, storytelling. I yeah. mean, you guys opened a lot of doors for the future here. Yeah. You wrapped a lot up. You opened up a lot of doors as well. Uh, why does Sam, why does Sam get the shield instead of Bucky? You know, it's it, Sam is is the one. It, Cap and Bucky are brothers. Yeah. But you know, what's interesting about them is that they're very different people. You know, and I think that, you know, Bucky always has the ability to have his mind corrupted. He can always be taken over by someone, you know? That hasn't been resolved for him. 
and 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 Sam has his free will, you know. And I think that that Sam also, uh, um, you know, had a, had a similar uh, ethic as Cap as far as service goes in the military. Uh, Sam still retains that spirit of uh, of service to the community, uh, and uh, and he lives in that circle very clearly in in the movies. Yeah. Book, you know, comic books and the movies are very different. We're, and our interpretation of the characters, and if you've been following the movies, are very different than what the books are. So as it stands in these films, you know, Bucky is still a, a damaged character uh, uh, who I think feels like he doesn't want the shield, you know? And I think that uh, ultimately uh, uh, Sam uh, is, a, is a character, as I said, with Free Will, who, who was the closest in, in morality to what Cap was, and, and Cap believes that he deserves it. Makes sense, makes sense. All right, I like it. Uh, I want to move on and talk about Hawkeye. Yep. Uh, really quickly, he becomes Ronan, which a lot of Marvel Comics fans were happy to see. I'm just curious how you guys pitched that to Jeremy, because this is his biggest role so far, I think, in any of the MCU films. And I'm also curious about choreographing the sword fighting against mm -hmm. things like the Outriders and things like that. So the, um, with Renner, you know, we talked to him early on, because when we sat in the room to break Infinity War and break Avengers Endgame, uh, we had so many characters on the table that if you try to jam too many in, there's a point where you break it. And there's a point where not everyone gets a story and then people are just saying lines to be there. And you know, we felt like Endgame was overstuffed. And we originally, I'm sorry, Infinity War was overstuffed at that point. So we thought, let's take Hawkeye, because we ask ourselves a lot of logical questions. Okay, so post-Civil uh, uh, War, uh, he, uh, he gets broken out of prison. He's got a family. People know where his family is. Do you, uh, um, do you make a decision to be on the run and be away from your family? Or do you uh, uh, create a plea bargain with the government and, uh, and go under house arrest, which you see at the beginning of the film where he has the ankle uh, um, bracelet on, and live with your family? Well, that's clearly the choice that Clint would have made. He cares mm -hmm. the most about his family above anything else. So once you answer that question, then it makes sense for him to be out of the events of Infinity War because he's under house arrest living with his family, the same way that Scott Lang made that decision as well. Cat uh, didn't have to make that decision. Sam and, and Natasha did not have to make that decision, which is why the three of them are on the run together. Uh, and then the story uh, at the beginning of Endgame where he's with his family at the picnic, that was originally supposed to be at the very end of Infinity War. It's going to be right, like right. a tease. Where has this character yeah. been all this time? Thanos snaps his fingers, it goes to black, yep. and suddenly you come up on this very idyllic scene, shot verite, where Clint is interacting with his family, and you're going, what, where am I? Why, is, why, why am I watching this story all of a sudden? And then slowly his family starts to disappear, and you realize, oh, crap. Yeah. It's, it's happening. And then you go around the horn and see all the other characters disappear. It was too confusing, so we decided to move it to the beginning of the next film. It set the tone. It, it sets it the tone, out. it re-reminds yeah. you of where you are, what the story was that you felt a year ago, it makes you feel it again, mm -hmm. and then using the logo is a good way to like jump ahead in story uh, to Tony. Um, and uh, why Ronan, obviously, it's a, you know, we're comic book fans, we love trying to find ways to, yeah. you know, bring in all of our favorite characters. Nailed the costume, by the way. Our, it looks yeah. so good. Our, Judiana Makovsky is another 
core collaborator of ours that we've worked with on all yeah. four movies. Um, and of course, you know, a character like that loses his entire family. What happens to you? I mean, you know, you either, you know, you either become spiritual because it's the only way that you can cope with it, or you bottom out. And, and you, you start killing everybody. Yeah, yeah. And he bottoms out. <laughs> but he feels like that's a way to punish yeah. the good people. I mean, the, you know, good people died. Right. And there's a way now to punish bad people who, who survive, right? So if somebody flipped a coin and a bunch of good people died and a bunch of bad people lived, now he's going to go rectify that and punish the bad people for surviving. Right. And that's the only way he knows how to deal with his anger and his pain. Uh, and it makes him a very complicated character. In the movie. I loved his story yeah. in this film. It was awesome. Uh, I want to move on to the Hulk. Yep. Uh, stand out of the film again. Another one who was great. Professor Hulk was so much fun to watch. Mark Ruffalo did such a cool job with that. Yep. And sort of the effects team. Um, one thing I noticed, and especially throughout the movie, but especially with the Hulk, was kind of almost a, a level of self-awareness of being a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, especially when he sees himself in these time travel covers. Yeah. Did you ever, we did time travel. Did you ever consider a joke about where Ruffalo says, I look different in the past? Something like that? <laughs> we, I mean, we considered everything. Uh, we go through a lot of iterations on these scripts. I mean, what was compelling about that was, all right, it, you know, again, asking ourselves logical questions. You start end game. Where are you gonna start? Well, the heroes aren't gonna give up. Let's start where it just left off. Uh, Captain Marvel shows up, she's incredibly formidable. Uh, formidable, and you go, okay, uh, maybe we have a shot of going after Thanos to get these stones back, which seems like a very logical way to proceed as a hero. What's interesting is you then think it's gonna be an adventure film, uh, and then we chop his head off 10 minutes later, and now the movie takes a twist on you. That's all of us sitting in a room trying to surprise ourselves and go, well, it can't be that, because it's too obvious, yeah. so what can it be? Well, let's, uh, let's kill him. 20 minutes into the film and, and make it complicated for you so that your brain goes to a place of, I have no idea where this film's going. I don't think a, thing, a single theory called that. I don't think, any, and we write every theory right. on our side. Our, yes. I don't think I saw one that said Thanos dies, dies in the first, in first 20 minutes. minutes. <laughs> so, but what's interesting about that is you get a reset, yeah. right? You get a, you know, we sat in the room and went, all right, let's jump to one year later. No, no, let's go to two, no, four. Five, like let's make sure that we have enough distance yeah. that people can change in that time. And, and now you've sat with it for so long that it's become part of who you are as a person. It's not like a year later, it's five years later. Families have started, like Robert. This is my long-winded way of getting to the Hulk, which is, you know, Banner reflects over that five-year period about, you know, the, the two of us who've been fighting over this host body for years, mm -hmm. and we lost because we were fighting. It was selfish of us to fight over the host body. So the only natural progression forward for someone as intelligent as Banner to resolve the situation is, let's merge ourselves. Let's quit fighting over the host body and let's just merge. So what do you think could be next now that he's injured? Not only is he injured, he's yeah. lost Natasha, which is an emotional Huge. connection for him almost more than and he's lost most an, of them. He's lost an arm, he's lost Natasha. Yeah. You know, like that, that's not coming back. He's damaged himself. Uh, I don't know, it's interesting, I mean... Is that permanent damage? It's permanent damage, yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. it's the same way there was permanent damage with Thanos. Right. Is that, you know, it's irre ir irreversible damage. His arm is, if you notice, it's a lot skinnier, it's blackened. Yeah. Um, so he loses a lot of strength there. But um, uh, who knows, there's a lot of really, you know, smart people left, maybe somebody yeah. 
helps them repair that. Maybe somebody gives them a new arm. Who knows? I mean, I have no idea where that character goes from here. The nice thing is we didn't have to pay attention to where it goes after this. We just try to tell a satisfying ending. I love it. Uh, Next, I want to talk about Black Widow. R.I.P. I I was kind of shocked when you guys killed Black Widow. Um, And at the same time, I almost feel like I didn't feel the emotion of her death (coughs) the second time I watched it because this movie was about bringing people back to life. Right. So when she died, I was like, okay. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then the next scene is when it kind of hits. So, I mean, and there's also a Black Widow movie coming. How did you guys decide this? Did that play a factor in it at all? And, I mean, what, what emotional payoff were you expecting versus what you got? What it, what I mean, that? listen, we, again, we make a lot of these choices when we're in the writer's room and we're sitting there talking through it with everyone, us and the M&M. And, uh, you know, it was one of those scenes where we went back and forth for a little while trying to figure out what made the most sense, but really when you think about Natasha's arc as a character, mm-hmm. started off as a villain, um, she, uh, she was individualistic, self-concerned, um, she has a, a fight with Cap about that in Winter Soldier. They sit in a room and talk about trust and he says, I can't trust you if you keep lying to me, because clearly you're, like, you're playing both sides, and that movie is a lesson about playing both sides. And at the end of it, she realizes I have to believe in myself and believe in my own identity moving forward because I can't trust who I work for. That's, that's the lesson yeah. they both get out of that movie. And then you'll see her in Civil War, she's starting to move towards being a leader uh, and uh, seems the obvious successor to Fury. Uh, and, um, and, and then she's starting to believe in the family and the community. She says the cap in the church most important thing is about keeping the family together. Mm-hmm. She's starting to like crave the, the, um, the uh, uh, sense of community as a character. So again, traveling the greatest distance. So where do you take someone who started off as selfish, a villain, individualistic, manipulative, and then started to believe in the greater good and community and family where do you take them ultimately to the yeah. place of self-sacrifice for the community, for the family? She says it in the scene. No one comes back unless one of us goes over that cliff. And then it became about the two of them, which we thought was just a gut-wrenching way to progress with the scene, is they, one of them has to beat the other for the right to die. And we saw in Avengers that she's a better fighter than he is. So ultimately she won the fight. Yeah. So what the hell happened in Budapest? <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? Seems like right. a story for another time. <laughs> uh, but we've been wondering yeah. that for years. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, it's heartbreaking that she's like dead, dead. Like she it, can't come back from that. It is. It's. I mean, but again, I, I don't. Nothing has value unless it has an ending. Do truly. You, do you think that stories like Budapest and I mean, um, her father's name being revealed as Ivan, who which could be a reference to Ivan Petrovich in the comics. Uh, Do you think there's payoff for that, or is that just you guys putting seeds in to kind of fulfill your story? It's putting seeds in to fulfill our story. You can always, and that's what we do in the Marvel Universe, is someone comes in and they pick up the threads. Right. Right? But there isn't, you know, the grand plan is always, hey, we have a loose idea of where Mm -hmm. we can go here. But if you spend a lot of energy thinking about where it goes in the future, you're going to miss the opportunities that are in front of you in the present. And if you don't make a really good film... Uh, nobody's going to be around for the next one, yeah. you know? So we really focus always on, on the present story, not on where this is all going. Right. Now i got to talk about Thanos, man. He's yeah. my favorite villain, and I love this thing so mm-hmm. much. Um, 
first of all, I really quick, do you know, did you like guys make any decision on what his blade was made of? Because it was able to break vibranium. Yeah, I mean, clearly Thanos is, you know, a thousand, thousand year old character who has fought everyone in the universe. Yeah. He's the greatest, he's the Genghis Khan of the universe. He would have the greatest weapon, you know. Uh, um, he's been, he knows of Eitri, he's been to Eitri mm -hmm. to have his glove created. Did he have them create his, his, uh, his uh, blade as well? Potentially. I'm hoping it's adamantium yeah. and we melt that thing down in the future yeah. and use but it somewhere. It's, it's interesting that it could uh, destroy the shield. It, yeah, it's a, it's a strong material there. Mm -hmm. uh, when you had the big three versus Thanos, that scene, I mean, as a director, I can't, I, I, I mean, can't even try to wrap my head around how you pulled that off, let alone when everybody else came into the mix. So can you just talk about how you guys choreographed, I mean, Hemsworth and Evans and Downey and Brolin and, I mean, this crazy. So what we'll do in those situations is, it's a combination of our stunt team and our VFX team where we'll work with both. So you know, ground fighters and you know, characters that can be played by stunt players uh, are, are executed by the stunt team and flying characters are executed by VFX, right? So it needs to be a combination because if Tony's going up in the air, then there's a combination of like VFX coming in and experimenting with what he does based on what the stunt players are doing. And so it's just, again, this massive collaboration. And then we do iterations of it. So we, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk about what we're looking for, then the two teams will do a pass, they'll bring them back to us, we note it, they do another pass, we note it, and then it's sort of how you get there. But you know, we wanted to make sure that, that, you know, that, um, that those three characters uh, had their moment together. It's why when the bomb hits, characters are separated. You can't always put as Marcus would say, everybody on the bus and drive them through scenes, because mm -hmm. then it's just people shouting out windows, and you never like <laughs> get anything cohesive, you never yeah. feel anything. Right. You have to take them in smaller bites. So you take the Hulk and Rocket and, and uh, um, War Machine, you put them over here, you take uh, uh, Hawkeye, you put them over here, you take these three, you put them over there, and then people can actually relate to one another. Three to four is about the max you can, you can have and, and still keep relationship in a scene. I do love how you guys always find a way to do pairings or mm -hmm. kind of break-offs. You did it in Civil War when you had the airport fight. You did it in, in Infinity War and in this. And I think that makes really great moments that help you follow the action, stay interested in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, that's, that's just a way for us to write substantive scenes where, you know, characters can actually say things to one another. Like, you know, take the, uh, in Infinity War, the uh, uh, Tony Stark, uh, um, Stephen Strange scene on the spaceship, right? Like that, that is a great piece of conflict between two characters that can't happen if, if there's more people there than just Peter Parker, yeah. you know? Did you guys, uh, you don't have to go into too much detail about it. I mean, I love it if you do, but did you guys develop a backstory for Thanos that we didn't see, like how he knows Tony Stark? Of course, kind of we stuff? did a lot of drafts of Infinity War that involved Thanos' backstory. Um, and, uh, you know, we even, had a draft where you saw 10 minutes of his backstory. You saw him as a child, you saw him uh, try to convince his planet uh, that it was doomed uh, and uh, recommend uh, um, you know, that, uh, that they randomly kill half the population to save the planet. Uh, planet uh, he gets sent to a, a prison off the planet he eventually watches the planet destroy itself. This is a movie I would this watch. Was, I'm kind of yes. glad you didn't do it because now we might get a movie called Thanos. We just couldn't. <laughs> we just couldn't. Unfortunately, I just ruined it for you. 
uh, if we make that movie. <laughs> but we, I, I mean, that it's, it is a whole other film. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. that's the value in a story room of writing that draft of the script because you go, all right, well, at least I have that in my brain now. And I understand that. And I, we could pitch it to Brolin. He can hear that on an intimate level of detail so we all know what his, what his story is and how he feels about his past. Right? So he's a very tortured character who is sociopathic, but weirdly it's like benevolent sociopathy, right? Yeah. Uh, that's who ultimately who he is, is as an adult. That's, I can't, I need to see that yeah. at some point. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, let's move on to Thor. Yeah. Um, in time traveling, you guys went back to Thor The Dark World, um, which might not be the most popular MCU film. And I, it became a great moment yeah. in this movie. Can you, like, why Thor The Dark World? Well, it's interesting. If you're, well, one, because his mother's there, and it's the most resonant, right. and it is the day his mother died, right? And this is a character who has lost everything. Like, mm -hmm. literally, like, John Wick lost his dog. Thor loses his mother, his father, his best friend, his brother, his planet, half his people. Like, it could, it, it, they get slaughtered on the ship, and then he loses another half. Mm -hmm. Like, he literally could not have lost more. He feels like he's failed at being a king. And, you know, what do you do with a character like that? Of course, five years later, he's gonna be bottomed out. You know, there, what else he, where else would he go? You know, and he's let himself go, which again, it, you take him the farthest distance he can travel. What do you do? You take somebody who looks like Chris Hemsworth, and, you know, and, and, he, <laughs> and he starts drinking beer every day, and he becomes a, a drunk, we all finally and, have that Chris yeah, Hemsworth right? body we've been exactly. saying we're working on. Yeah. Now, Just, now I can dress as Thor at Comic-Con and, uh, <laughs> and fit right in. And nail it. So, uh, but th the reason we went back to that is because it is the most resonant moment in his life. Who else could help to repair him but his mother? And what's interesting, too, is that I know, you know it's not the most popular film, but think about it. If these are all chapters in a book, say there's 21 chapters before you get to the final chapter, which is 22. Yeah, you can read a chapter and go, oh, I don't love that chapter. But when you get to the ending and you consider the whole book, it may make a chapter more resonant in retrospect. So how does lightning braid a beard? <laughs> well, it, he does it twice, actually. He does it in Ragnarok, Yeah. right? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the Asgardian magic, man. I thought it was yeah. great. It was yeah. a cool moment. Um, and then was it your idea to put Korg in Tiger Waititi's uh, pineapple? Uh, yes, it was uh, his romper. It was, it was one of us sitting in the edit room we pitched it because I can't remember why we saw the photo of Taika in that shirt and we're like, well, that's what he has to be wearing. So <laughs> yeah. I remember you guys had a set photo before um, Infinity War wrapped and we saw Mjolnir in it. And yeah. I was like, wait, Mjolnir wasn't even in Infinity War. Yeah. And then when we went back to the dark world, I was like, oh, wait. This one, were you, were you mad about that? That's right, were you yes. Mad about that, one? that was a weird one. I think it was, uh, it might have been a priest who was. Uh, yeah. at the church that we were shooting at and for some reason we took a photo with them with the hammer and then uh, and then somebody released the photo and I went well that's not good <laughs> but you know it's hard to guess right. oh yeah you there know. were so many things in the trailer that we thought we were catching on to stuff and then and that no. was done during Infinity War so it's hard to imagine that it was still going to end up right. in Endgame yeah, yeah. Uh, alright now we have to talk about my favorite character for 11 years now, um, RIP, Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, just, can you just tell me why? 
I, I, I'm just I'm well, trying I think, to understand. I've seen it three times. I'm a yeah. 27-year-old man, yeah. and I've gone to theater three times, and I have yeah. sniffled and cried yeah. every time. Well, that's why. No. <laughs> well, it worked. Uh, listen, it's, you know, it has to cost something yeah. if you're going to bring everybody back. And, of course, everybody's beating us up over the course of the year, saying we know they're coming back, we know they're coming back. Well, the question is, what cost? Like, there's, mm -hmm. there always has to be stakes or there's no value, right? The same way that we say there has to be an ending or there's no value, there has to be stakes or, or there's nothing resonant in the story. If it doesn't cost you anything to fix the problem, then also I just don't think you're being truthful because that's not how the world mm -hmm. works. You need the stakes. It costs, it costs, thing, it costs uh, uh, to do the right thing yeah. uh, a lot of times in this world. And, uh, you know, the Infinity War, you know, villains win. That's true. That's what happens. And if you want to beat villains, it might cost you your life to do it. Uh, if, you're, if it's in service of a higher principle, then that's a, that is a noble sacrifice. And the very nature of heroism is sacrifice, right? And, and it, you know, that's what defines you as a hero, is that you are willing to sacrifice yourself for others and, uh, and, and for the greater good. So in a way, I think Tony Stark was always fated to die. The character that he was, who he was, he was so complex. Started off very selfish. Again, you talk about traveling a distance, right? Mm -hmm. Started off very selfish in Iron Man, ended up being incredibly selfless by the end. That's the greatest distance that you can travel with him. Uh, always struggling with his, um, you know, his commitment to family or to Iron Man and having to make a choice with makes it even more sad is that he finally seems at peace with having a family and giving up Iron Man under the worst circumstances. Like he lost and he, and he put it away and said, all right, this is my future. It's in fact why he did not want to go back to the past because he did not want to gamble with losing his daughter. And then ultimately at the end of the movie he has to make the decision to give her up in order to save everyone. And that is a true hero and that's why we did it. It, it pays off. Hopefully I mean, it's inspiring and ennobling and, you know. It, it worked really well. I'm getting yeah. a little worked up. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys do for Downey on his last day? You said that was the last thing you shot, so that was kind of a rap party too, I guess. Yeah, Robert is not, like, Robert's one of the sweetest, warmest human beings in the world, but also I don't think he likes to, like, you know, over over uh, indulge emotional moments. Right. You know, it's a hug and a, and a handshake. And, uh, you know, and applause from the crew. And I think that's like the limit of what he, he wants. You yeah. know, and he's, and he's done. He feels like he did his job and he's happy and he doesn't want to like wallow in it any more right. than that. But as, it, it was significant for him. I mean, this is 11 years of his life. Yeah, and I know? mean, as much as I love the character, I almost don't want him to come back in some way like a comic book typically mm -hmm. would do because it, I feel like this was such an awesome moment and an ending yeah. for him. I, it's done. So <laughs> I, I mean, I do yeah. have to ask, are these char like, like characters like Black Widow and Iron Man and I mean even Vision and Gamora of the present timeline, are they mm -hmm. dead dead? Can they be seen again? Uh, so Vision is dead as far as I know. Yeah. Tony's dead. You know, that's, that's it for Robert. He's yeah. done. You know, Scarlet has a movie, but it's not, you know, we're not telling linear stories anymore. Right. Right? Uh, and uh, who's the last? Gamora. You know, Quill's, Quill is searching for it at the end of the movie. Is she alive? Is she dead? Uh, we have no idea. And even if she is alive, it's not the same Gamora. Right. The way timelines work is you've, 
you've gotten a different character. This is yeah. not the same person. She doesn't have the same emotional memories. She doesn't have the same relationship to him. You know, so it's you know, as far as you know, you're they they look like the same person, but they don't have the same experiences and the same uh, um, emotional memories. It's not the same person. You know, they, so that it's you know, no matter what, it would be this is a journey for him. Now, now that all of this and some of those characters are behind us, um, I have a few more questions for you. But first, uh, I had an idea to yeah. round up a few uh, really <clears throat> impressive individuals who could say the thank yous that I couldn't. Um, and they have sent in a few videos, a few of the people you've worked with. Well, that's awesome. Uh, and yeah. I wanted to roll that really quickly. We'll, we'll continue this in just a second, but check this out, guys. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Oh, hello, Mr. Russo. Yes, much congratulations to you for making biggest film of all cinema. This movie is quite successful and also is very good. Only mistake was probably not including uh, Louise, Dave and Kurt, yours truly, because of course we would have saved and defeated the uh, bad guy so much more fast, but it's okay. Good job. Whether you're Team Cap or Team Iron Man, you've helped bring these characters to life. And not just as superheroes, but also as people we can connect with and people we can look up to. And for that, we thank you. I am so forever grateful to be a part of this universe. So thank you, Mr. Russo. Hey Joe, I'm, I'm here on set wearing a big choice moustache uh, uh, and I just wanted to take a second to say thank you so much. It's been so great working with you and Marvel changed my life and you're a part of that, so thank you. Joe Russo, I just want to congratulate you on all your achievements in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and um, as someone who worked with you nearly 10 years ago on Community, you directed uh, Senior Chang's very first episode and since then I've learned so much from you and you have taught me so much about pacing, about efficiency, of creative thought, so many things, so many principles that I have um, learned from you and applied to my own subsequent works and um, you're a huge influence on me and so many people you have worked with um, owe their careers to you and um, I, I just love you so much as a filmmaker as a director as a human being um, I again I've learned so much from you and congratulations on this night and much love to you and your family Mwah. Hi, Joe. This is Ross Marquand. I just want to congratulate you for all the incredible work you've done in the MCU and beyond. I'm so excited to see what you do next, and I'm just really grateful to have worked alongside you and your brother, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Joe Russo, Endgame, breaking all kinds of records. I remember when we started with Winter Soldier, you were just a 
a young tyke, not even king of Hollywood. Um, brother, thank you for bringing me in this Marvel world, uh, keeping me in this Marvel world, even in, in a small part. Um, I love you, I'm proud of you, and uh, continued success, man, thank you. What's up, man? I just wanted to say I love you. You changed the game. You certainly changed my life. Um, I love the movies that we did together. They, uh, they are going to be forever in my mind and my memory. And uh, I just think you're the man. So thank you for being you um, and doing what you do. And you deserve everything that uh, you wish for. You know, I hope that comes true. And I love you to death. And I'm here. Whenever you need me, I'm here. You're the man. Bye. Yo, what's up, Joe Russo? Chris Pratt here. You might not recognize me because I'm not in makeup and I'm covered in sweat. And I'll tell you why, because uh, an actor's job is never complete. Uh, with that drop of sweat right there. They said keep it to 15 seconds. That's already 15 seconds. But I was just supposed to say thank you for what you mean to me. Um, you're extraordinary at fantasy football. And uh, you're a brilliant man with big ideas, follow through, vision. I'm internally grateful for uh, the way you guys have handled the Avengers uh, Endgame and Infinity War changed changed all our lives and um, and like I said I you know an actor's job I'm sweating right now because I'm out working because ultimately I don't work just on my voice and my spirit but also on my body as a prop so thank you for puppeteering me into what a lot of people are saying it's the greatest performance in history Star-Lord from Endgame later buddy Huge thank you to everybody who submitted their thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the video, and clearly you're very beloved by your star, the stars of your films. That's very sweet. Yeah, it was. Uh, I it, paid them all a lot of money to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple quick, really general questions, just about Endgame, not not necessarily character centric. Um, one thing people have caught is that Howard the Duck was yep. in the epic Avengers Assemble Crazy scene. Crazy story. So literally, like a month ago, maybe less, we were sitting. No, it was probably it was just over a month ago. It was one of the last things we did. We were sitting in VFX, and I was watching that shot of everybody coming out of the portals, and I was like, God, we'd be so awesome to have a Howard the Duck cameo here. And it worked. And I just said to the VFX team, is there any way in hell you could pull this off? And li literally, like, we're like three days away from end of all VFX shots, right? <laughs> and they like looked at me, and they're like, we'll see what we can do. We need the duck, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to work. So that's why I have Forget your family. Yes. <laughs> um, did you ever consider having the Netflix Defenders characters or the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pop through one of the portals? We just have so many characters we're dealing with yeah. already in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's not, like, to try to combine television and film on the schedules that they're all on and get stories to line, it's, it's, it's so hard already. Yeah. Which just, you know, the directors that we're working with, the Marvel Universe, to know. Was Captain Marvel originally going to be in Infinity War at all? Uh, no. I don't believe that was ever the case. Yeah. Okay. Um, we had a reference of an earthquake under the Atlantic Ocean from Okoye. We did. Namor? Interesting. So, yes, you heard it here first, guys. I don't know. It's definite. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, could, what could, could not be. Can, can we, just be an earthquake. Let me have my fun, all right? Can I? <laughs> um, uh, one of the things everybody talks about leading up to these films when you're trying to prevent the spoilers is fake footage. How much fake footage actually exists? Uh, you know, it's not footage that is shot purposely for being fake footage. If there's something that works for a trailer, we'll do it for a trailer, but not, you know, to, like Ruffalo talking about we shot five endings. 
We, we don't have the energy to shoot one ending. You just got to give like Ruffalo five endings yeah, or he's going to crawling to the finish line just to shoot one ending. <laughs> uh, you know, it gets complicated for him because he's in a motion capture suit. And sometimes we can throw him in a motion capture stage where he's not working with anybody. So it can get disorienting about like what's happening in the story. And, right, right. You know, but um, and then anything we do that we alter in, in trailers is done with VFX or with footage that was expressly shot for that. Interesting. Purpose. Um, Thanos in the post credit scene of Age of Ultron gets the gauntlet. Is that right. on Nivadulir? Is that the gauntlet each Yeah, made? it would seem that that is where he is. Okay. Yes. I'm a huge Nova fan, my mm -hmm. favorite hero in the comics, yeah. Richard Rider. His origin story seems to be set up by Infinity War and it hasn't been undone. Mm -hmm. uh, was that intentional at all? Did you guys ever consider introducing him? We never considered introducing him. I think if you know that exists more in the Guardians universe, that would have to be a James Gunn thing. Uh, but uh, again, we just had too many characters on our right. plate. And you can't introduce somebody you know, that doesn't have their own movie like Marvel. You can't just throw them into the middle of the final chapter of a book. In the words know? of Wong, what, you wanted more? Exactly. <laughs> right? I feel like he was talking to a lot of us who have, oh, were yeah. making requests like that. Uh, and earlier today, we had the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer drop. Came yeah. with huge spoilers for Endgame. Uh, one being that it created a multiverse. How did you guys work with John Watts to make sure he was in line with what you were doing and he, you guys could kind of I mean, we did, we did, and unfortunately, we just kind of dropped this movie in his lap and were like... Good luck, John. Uh, the, um, I mean, we had, we had conversations early on. He knew what we were doing. He knew what was going on. He knew uh, you know, how it was going to affect. Look, one of the bravest choices, I think, of the whole movie is the fact that the Marvel Universe moving forward is now five years in the future. Right. And it's a future where half the people were gone for five years and then suddenly came back at the exact same age at which they left. Family, uh, kids have been born, you know, people have moved on. Like, th this is a crazy world right. and an interesting world moving forward. Uh, and that's a very, uh, very bold choice on the, on the part of Kevin is that, you know, this is not a reset. This is, this is gonna be complicated. Yeah, uh, Mysterio's from another Earth in that movie. Is there a chance like a guy like Tony Stark could be on another Earth? I mean, if there, if there are multiverse timelines, there are other Tony Starks that exist, but they would not be this Tony Stark and they would not, again, have the memories or the, the emotional memories of this Tony Stark. They exist in that the alternate timeline. And the obligatory question, I don't have to read the comment section to know that it's in there. Does this mean the X-Men have been created? <laughs> yeah, I have to yeah. ask, they, I'll yeah. get fired, okay? Yes. They'll fire me if I don't yeah. ask that question. Uh, and now we have some questions from Twitter. People submitted using the hashtag Evening with Joe. Thank you everybody who yeah. submitted. I chose as many as I could. <clears> um, <throat> The first one comes from Movie King 37. Uh, are you saving Joel McHale and Alison Brie's cameos for Secret Wars? You know, we tried to get everyone in these movies, and I couldn't get Allie or Joel scheduled to work ever. Mm. Uh, but you know, we we tried to get everyone in. The only one I'm uh, I'm sad about is Starburns. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Jacob. Uh, he wants to know. Does Doctor Strange have his time stone back if the stones were destroyed or they're sent to the past? Does in the sequel does he have one? Well, that would, that's an interesting question. You guys just love. Hey, Scott Derrickson. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. I'd have to wait to the sequel to find that out. <laughs> uh, here's this. I don't. I'm gonna try this name. I don't know where it comes from. I don't think it's on his birth certificate. Uh, but it comes from Cranjus McBasketball. Um, <laughs> first, to compliment Joe. You and Anthony created an amazing three-hour thrill ride of a movie. Thank you for that. My question, is there a specific movie genre that you're interesting to, interesting, or itching to tackle that you haven't gotten to do yet? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know, we've kind of dabbled in all of them. Uh, I, I don't know, I guess maybe at some point we'd like to go back and do like another dark comedy like Arrested Development. Okay. Um, 
I'd have to fight the, find the right material. Gotta say, 21 Bridges looks cool. You guys are producers on it's, that. Cherry sounds awesome with Tom yeah. Holland. Yeah, 21 um, Bridges is great, by the yeah, way. I can't yeah. wait to see that. Chadwick looks like he kills yeah, it. he's fantastic. Uh, next question comes from Dubs. Uh, I think this is an interesting one. Uh, how many alternate endings did you have in working on this, uh, and when was the final idea set in stone? So we wrote alternate endings, obviously, to throw people off the scent, or you know, if you have to distribute scripts. People, you want to make sure that the information is either redacted or not the true information. So there are many multiple endings. We decided on the ending of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers three years ago before we started work on the scripts so that we knew where we were going. Right. Uh, Dubs, I like that question. I'm going to get in touch with you and send you one of our quarter scale Infinity Gauntlets made by Hot Toys, uh, sent Good to job. us from Sideshow. And we have one more to give away. And um, just because of the the balls it takes to ask this question, I think. Jorge Del Campo. Uh, which DC character would you like to direct? Are you even allowed to say that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, as far as what I collected as a kid, I collected Batman. Um, uh, that was one of the uh, DC characters I collected. And so I would have to be a Batman. That would be killer, yeah. you guys, on a Batman movie. And Jorge, we're going to send you one of these as well. Uh, thank you for the questions, everybody who used hashtag Evening with Joe. We have one more question. This comes from at Brandon Davis BD on Twitter. When are you going to put the guy from comicbook.com on your movies? We don't, we don't when, do you, when does he want to get that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Joe, I can't, I can't thank you enough for yeah. uh, taking the time to talk with us. And everybody for watching, I hope you had fun. I hope we answered all of your questions. Um, congratulations. I'm going to leave here and go see the movie for a fourth time. Um, and just enjoy it, man. Take a, take a little break. Thank you. I'm going to rest. I'm going to go hang out with my kids for a while. There you go. Yeah. Have fun with it. Thank you, everybody, so much yeah, for watching. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for the way you've responded to the, to the movie. It means everything to my brother and I. See you, everybody. Take care.